Well, good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed exactly for someone like me. You know, there's a lot I don't understand. Now, it doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while, a little itch that needs to be scratched. And rather than getting into a deep chapter and verse theological discussion, I find that a casual front porch style talk of the pastor is often the best way to understanding. And that's what this program is all about. Now, today's guest pastor is Lance O'Donnell from St. Paul's Lutheran Church. And I'm going to slaughter the name of this town again. Akanamanawanawak. Wisconsin. <laughs> I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. So you can send your questions at email at any time to let's talk at kfuo.org or call in at the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, that's area code 314 821 or anywhere toll free in North America at 1 800 730 2727. Pastor, how badly did I kill the name of your town? Uh, well, you pretty well massacred it. It's uh, Oconomowoc, but you, you gave a good go. Oconomowoc. Yep. I think I probably put too many O's and W's in it. Yeah. Well, it has five. It has five O's in it. So you know, you're, you're not the you're not the first, and you won't be the last. <laughs> I'm assuming it's an Indian name. Uh, yes, and I forgot what it means. It's ah, confluent well, to rivers. So forgive me, but for my town people. <laughs> when I lived out in uh, California, there was a uh, an Indian uh, a, a, a site of an old Indian village not too far from where I lived. And uh, <laughs> the name of the village translated to deer urine. Nice. <laughs> so, well, I'm pretty confident Oconomowoc doesn't mean that. Okay, well, that's a good thing to hear. Well, here in St. Louis, we've finally gotten rid of this horrible, horrible winter-spring stuff that we've had. You know, we've had all four seasons in one week. Yeah, pretty much here in Wisconsin as well. Yeah. Two weeks ago, we had eight inches of snow on the ground. Oh, terrific. And now it's 80 degrees. Well, you're a little bit higher than us, but not much. We're a bit overcast now, but it should be finally starting to go through. I've, I've had it. I don't want any more of that. Yeah, I'm ready. We're, we are happy spring people here in Wisconsin. <laughs> a beautiful place. In fact, I was up there for the triennial a couple of years ago. I had a lot of fun. It is. It's a lovely place to be. Indeed. Well, I got some questions on my mind here. Sure, fire away. Okay, now, I know the Bible says that we Christians are supposed to be humble, and there is a, a passage that if you give with your left hand, your right hand should know about it. We pray in the closet, things like that. And basically, we're, we're not supposed to talk about the things that we do. And unfortunately, I think this is misconstrued a lot by, by the public. I, I can understand the concept of humility and being humble, and I think it's a good one. But the problem is, uh, I get into a lot of Facebook discussions with uh, people who are, to put it mildly, are somewhat anti-religion. Sure. And they always say, well, gee, you know, you guys don't do anything. You, you're exempt from taxes, and you just, you just sit around and pray. That's all you do. You do nothing else to help the communities. Well, that's not true. There's a lot that we do, but we don't talk about it. And I'm wondering, you know, first of all, why is it we don't talk about it? And secondly, I think you and I can get into some specifics about what it is that we do over and above you know, the, the, the church. I mean, the church is, is more than just a building where people get together and pray. It's a community, and Indeed. a community helps a community. So your your first your first question was 
why don't we talk about it? And then you had a second question. Yeah. And the second question were some specifics of what it is that we do over and above. Oh, what do we, what do, yeah. we do? Yep. Well, let's talk about the first one. Yeah. And my simple response to that is to say, uh, in a lot of cases, that's true. And for the reasons that you said, um, you know, we, we tend to be, and perhaps, and I rightly so, reluctant uh, to thump our chest. And, you know, that is, uh, is I think, for, for the most part, commendable. Um, it also has, as I think you're, you're alluding to in, in our age, uh, the unfortunate consequence of uh, not allowing people in our communities to know actually what, what goes on and how the churches in, their, in, their very, in the various communities impact them positively. Well, doctrinally, why is it we're, that we're not supposed to not brag, but at, but at least let people know what it is that we're doing? I don't, I don't quite understand that. Well, I think that's a good question. I mean, you can say right, you're, and you you made one of the one of the quotations earlier that we shouldn't be bragging, or you know, in our circles that that all glory goes to God. Um, a lot of people don't talk about themselves if they're reasonably self-aware as Christians. I would suggest perhaps because they don't, they don't want to fall into the trap of chest thumping. Well, that, that makes sense, certainly, and, and 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 obviously, you know, anything that we do is for the glory of God. God works through us. God works through everyone. Indeed. Um, but. People don't seem to see it, and and I think part of the mission work is to let people know about it. Well, I think that there's there's some truth to that, Kip, and you know I've been thinking about this uh, here locally, just in our place. Today was uh, our school. Um, we have a you know wonderful preschool and grade school with about 180 kids, infant through eighth grade, and we are literally in the in the backyard of our city hall here in Oconomowoc, and I was thinking today as we had our sanctuary packed with grandparents from all over Wisconsin and in many cases from many other places in the country, um, it would have been really nice for some of our local officials to see what happens here. You know, they did a play for the grandparents, the grandparents were in the classrooms showing what they do, and I thought to myself, you know, it really would have been good for some of our local officials to see our school in action. And um, that's, and that wouldn't be bragging. It would be simply to say, hey, look at, you know, come, come and see what we do so that when something comes up, that you have, a, you, you have at least a, an understanding and know some people that you can talk to. Well, we understand, you know, the, the concept of the, of the left-hand kingdom. Uh, God works through the secular powers as well. That's ordained. Yep. Uh, but then certainly we should, as you pointed out, let the, help the secular people, to the, the, the secular powers, to make the right decisions. And to do that, we can show them the way, if you will. Uh, question that occurred to me in the story that you just said was, well, were they invited? No. Well, I thought about it after the fact. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm standing up there in our in our balcony, choir loft area, 
looking down at the sea of children sitting with their grandparents and kids singing and all these things, thinking, oh, you know, Lance, you bozo, you should have called the mayor. Um, <laughs> well, you know, here in St. Louis, we do we do quite a bit with our, both from the Senate and, and with the individual churches, the individual congregations. Uh, you know, we had those terrible riots back in 2015 after, yep. after uh, Michael Brown was shot by that police officer. The, the whole community, the forest had just blew up. Well, in the aftermath of that, we got together with some community leaders and we decided to establish what we call the Hope Center. We have a Lutheran Hope Center now set up in Ferguson. We worked with uh, Salvation Army. We've worked with um, the Urban League. We've worked with the city officials. They're actually on the board as well. And the idea is to do everything from helping with job placement to literacy programs, uh, counseling, and of course, obviously, to, to spread the word of God. But this is something that we have done. We saw a need. There was this rage that had broken out. Yep. And how can we address this rage? How can we turn it into something good? And this is one of the things that we've done. Uh, we've gotten some press over it, but not a lot. And, and, you know, this is just one example of some of the things that, that we do. And... Uh, it is so depressing sometimes when I hear people tell me that we don't do anything. Yeah, and of course, that's not true. And, you know, you can point to the number of things. And that is, you know, I, I suspect, like with evangelism, uh, so, also, so also perhaps with, and this is kind of more of a marketing question, but, you know, the, the personal recommendation is always the best. Yeah. You know, rather than see something in an ad, you know, but uh, or so on and so forth. But that, you know, that that's one neighbor talking to another. Yeah, you're right. That's the best type of advertising. Um, but you still got to get the word out. And we're not we, I think, as as not just the Lutherans, but I mean, Christians as a whole, as a whole are not really getting the message out to just how much of a positive impact we make on our society. Everything from the country, really, to the world, all the way down onto the micro level. Things that we do to help our local communities. Everything, uh, well, for example, we just had a food drive here at the Senate. Sure. This is something that we do that, again, it got no coverage outside of the uh, some of the religious press and some, some of the congregations. But, you know, things like this. To, to make people know, yeah, we are feeding the hungry. Yeah, we are providing for, for homeless shelters. We do help women who uh, need shelter. We do help women who choose not to have an abortion. But we can tell them how to raise their kids. We can help them through adoption. Uh, if they decide to, to uh, hold on to the children, for example, Lutheran Family and Children's Services will provide any number of services to these people. Uh, there are many Christian organizations that do that. I'll, I'll point to our, our colleagues at the uh, Catholic Social Services or to Bethany Christian Services, where they will do everything from giving them job training, some financial support, providing them with diapers, clothing, things like that. You know, this is uh, your, what you're saying. I mean, on the one hand, this is a, a little bit of a lament, right? And a lament is an okay, a, a lament is an okay thing. Uh, there's also a call to action here. And, uh, you know, 
it's an interesting question. You know, you know, I didn't think of it until just now. I'd love to have to get on the line, for example, uh, somebody like Molly Hemingway. Oh yes, um, to talk about this because part of it, uh, what what we're talking about here, Kip, strikes me as when you're going to do something, what should you be thinking about in terms of how you inform your neighbors uh, about what's going on, and how do you do that in a way? that is not showy, but neighborly. You know, I was I just, I mean, just, uh, I mean, the weather finally broke, right? We have long winters in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and so when the weather, when the weather turns here, people are out, right? And the, so the other day I pull up in my driveway and the, the na- couple neighbor moms and brothers are waiting for the kindergarten bus to arrive, which uh, it arrives at the corner of my, where my house is, and there are a couple neighbors there that I hadn't met. You know, I got in my car, and I thought, you know, I hear these people standing there, and I don't know them, so I walked over to introduce myself. And in the process of this conversation, I, I told them that my, old, my oldest son is graduating at the end of the month, and we're going to give him an invitation no. to come, because uh, we're going to have a party here. And so I was just informed, you know, part of it was just started with me informing them there are going to be a pile of cars around here, just so you know. Yeah. And some of that is just it, what you're talking about, letting people know, is just being neighborly. And maybe at the core of this is, as much as we talk about being neighborly, maybe often we're pretty cruddy neighbors. Well, didn't Jesus address that specifically? <laughs> <laughs> Who is my neighbor, said the camel driver? Yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe that's part of this is, you know, maybe maybe we're not very good neighbors, and I would you know I would argue as a whole, Americans have become worse neighbors over the last few decades, and that has a whole host of of causes. But we're really really busy, two parent households or single parent households, and running around all the time, and we don't take time to talk to one another necessarily or get to know one another, and maybe that the essence that's what we're just talking about here. It could be. Um, you know, I had a, a, a very heartening incident happen earlier this week. Uh, I stupidly left my garage door open. <laughs> and my neighbor across the street saw it, you know, long after I'd gone to bed. And he came over and closed the door for me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, was, that was such a, a nice thing for him to do. No doubt. And then he told you that you left your garage open. Yeah, well, he, he told me the next day, he, he, um, he, he knocked on the door and said, oh, by the by, if you heard anybody in the garage last night, that was me. <laughs> that's great. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of what it is. It, it's, now, if I had been your neighbor, Kip, I would have closed the garage door, but I would have left a little gift for you with, a, with something on it signed with a smiley face or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's you know it's part of it. It really is. Uh, you know, Luther was had spoken out and written about uh, against the monastic life uh, that the people who were were I think he called them the Pietists. You know, who had almost like the monk like existence who would sit and pray all day. And th- he said this is what they were supposed to do. God's given us vocation, and we are supposed to react. We are supposed to interact with the left-hand kingdom, with our fellows. And uh, this is something that, that I think is very strong in Lutheran theology, and I'm not sure it's being conveyed properly. 
Well, how do you think it should be conveyed? Hey, I'm asking I'm, you. I, well, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, <laughs> you're the I'm, pastor. I'm, I'm the lady. You've been, you've been you've been thinking about it. I'm cu- I'm curious. Well, I'm curious I think. What, well, for example, you, you said from the guy um, sitting on the sitting yeah. in the pew side of things <laughs> should be done. Well, for example, uh, you've got a local newspaper. Sure. Get to know some of the people there. Get to know some of the reporters. Get to know some of the editors. Uh, is there a religion page? Uh, is there a local? Uh, Oh, heck, I mean, uh, Facebook, all sorts of social media where you can let them know this is some of the things that we do. You know, over and above just, hey, we're having church this Sunday. Yeah, sure, that's fine. You've got that on your website. That's cool. But when you're doing something, for example, like bringing those grandparents into the school or you're you're starting a new school year or you're hiring a new thing or you're you're doing a food drive or, or a literacy program or going to sponsor a uh, missionary overseas, these things are newsworthy. And uh, I'm I'm speaking here, you know, I I was a journalist for most of my career. Yeah. And I'm speaking at it from that particular point of view. And these are the types of things that you can do. I mean, you got newspapers, you got TV, you got radio, you got talk shows. These are the types of things where you can go out and do it uh, to let people know, to let the community know the things that you do, or even things that you need. during the hurricanes, for example, we put out uh, calls for uh, for donations so we could help the people in uh, in Texas and Florida and Puerto Rico. Uh, and I got to tell you, Lance, we got more response than we had dreamed of getting. And one of the beauties of it was is that our churches are already on the scene of these places. We know the people. We've got the infrastructure. We've got the facilities. And when we bring the um, our disaster teams in, you know, it, it's amazing how efficient they are in getting the things out. And it's not just to, to Lutherans that we do it. It's anybody in the community that of we course. help. Yep. Well, and, and the, the, the churchly charities are, tend to be the people that get there, get there early mm-hmm. and that stay and that make the most lasting impact. I, I'm trying to remember the figures. I was talking recently with uh, the new mission executive for the South Wisconsin District, um, Pastor Jonah Burakowski, and he we've we've spent uh, we've sent a number of teams to uh, Houston to help rebuild after a hurricane last year, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I forget the exactly what Jonah told me, but he, he talked about the people down there. They know that the churches or the people, the, the church organizations are the ones that are getting stuff done. Well, one of the uh, things that the Senate has, has done recently that I think is a really uh, a giant step in the right direction is uh, we've reactivated the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington. And mm-hmm. as you may know, uh, Greg Seltz. Greg Reverend, Seltz was just at our uh, Wisconsin, South Wisconsin Pastors Conference. Yeah, yep. he's, he's, he's an amazing man. Yep, very t- very articulate man. And I work with him a lot on a number of uh, on a number of different projects. I've had him on the program a number of times, and and uh, you know he what the center does and what he's doing out there is making the contacts both with the opinion makers and with the lawmakers. Uh, for example, he told me that just recently he he made appointments with a number of Congress people, and it wasn't to go in and say, "Well, this is what we want." It was to go in and say. What do you need from us? Right, Greg. And Greg, when he was when he was talking to our pastors' conference, it really had me 
clicking, and that's on this subject. He said, you know, that he talked about uh, his as clergy and as people being, you know, being out knowing your local officials, mm-hmm. and that's true for I think that's true for all of us. Whether you're in an urban center, whether you're in ex-urban community like mine, or a, a rural community, what have you, knowing your knowing your local officials, having some kind of relationship with them. Uh, Greg's talk was a real kick in the pants to me uh, because I used to work in politics. <laughs> before, <laughs> you know, before I went to the seminary, both my wife and I worked in the, the Michigan State Legislature as legislative aides. You know, I should know this better than anybody, um, which kind of gets at an answer, to, part of an answer to your question. You know, why don't we get, why don't we do this? And part of my answer, and I've re- been reflecting on it since uh since Dr. Seltz was was here is, man, I'm so busy. And I've allowed myself to get too busy often to go be a good neighbor and say hi to the mayor and tell him what's going on. And uh, it's not just true of clergy. It's also true of people. We we have allowed ourselves, I think, to be too busy to be good neighbors. You're right, I'm afraid. And also I'm going to point out that you know, your congregation can be an enormous help to you with this. Yes. And, you know, they, 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 out, they, they are out in the, in the community every day. They reach more people than you can. No doubt. And uh, they all have their own talents. They all have their own contacts. They all have their own thought processes. They, they know people. And, you know, this is something that can be done as well. Have the congregation talk it up. Well, and that's a and that's a really good point. I'm going to pull something up on my computer here that I that was sent to me yesterday from uh, Doxology. So I, I assume you're familiar with Doxology. Yes. And let me. I'll have to see where this is. Um, <laughs> it was it was uh, the, the Doxology sent out an email and uh, called uh, that had a headline in their advertising for their. Doxology's work, which is care, advanced training, spiritual training for pastors and and the lay people uh, in congregations, and you got it a temptation. I think of a lot of people is to just you know we we hire the we hire the pastor to do this stuff, and uh, you know this is an, if you don't mind, I'll I'll read this. The, there's a joke that summarizes the perfect pastor. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. <laughs> he condemns sin roundly, but never hurts anyone's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. until midnight and is also the church janitor, yet is an exemplary husband and father. The pastor makes $40 a week, wears good clothes, drives a good car, buys good books, and donates $30 a week to the church. <laughs> he's 29 years old and has 40 years of experience. Above all, he's handsome. The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers, and he spends most of his time with the senior citizens. He smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his church. He makes 15 home visits a day and is always in his office to be handy when needed. The perfect pastor always has time for church council and all of its committees. He never misses the meeting of any church organization and is always busy, always busy evangelizing the unchurched. 
And that's a joke, obviously. <laughs> I was going to say, it's just one of the job descriptions that comes out of seminary. <laughs> well, the, right, the point, the point is, is that, you know, we, we like the rest of America, we tend to, we, we, we can professionalize this stuff. Yeah. But this was, this was the point that you're making. We all have a role as part of the body of believers in being good, in, uh, being good neighbors and getting the, getting the good word out. Uh, the, the truly good news out, speaking it as we have opportunity. You talked about that a little bit, the doctrine of vocation. We also, in part of that doctrine of vocation, is is to be a good neighbor. And part of being a good neighbor, what we're talking about here today, is letting people know what's going on in your church as you serve. That's a great point. It really is. You know, we got some more points to make, but we've got to take a little bit of a break now at the bottom of the hour, and we're going to be right back in about three minutes. This is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org slash careers. We are looking forward to the next broadcast of Law and Gospel because we are not only going to have the sixth Sunday of Easter to talk about, but also Ascension. Ascension is very important, and the reason we want to talk about it is because a lot of congregations don't have a special service. Listen to Law and Gospel weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Cast the first stone. No greater love. Where have I heard that before? Glad you asked. Because all three are found in the Bible. In fact, they're all from the Gospel of John, including the popular idiom, Doubting Thomas, from John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. The Bible has been the source for hundreds of idioms and phrases in several languages. Born again. Signs and wonders. Behold the man. The truth will set you free. It's more blessed to give than to receive, and so many others. At Museum of the Bible, the entire second floor of the museum addresses the impact of the Bible, its enormous influence on nearly every aspect of life, including the idioms and phrases we take for granted in everyday speech. 
Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Now, Pastor O'Donnell and I have been discussing about getting the message out about what we do for communities over and above just speaking to the, the church and having the, the services and what have There's a lot that we do. I'd love to hear some uh, ideas from people out there. Let us know. What, what do you think we should do? How do how do we get the message out of the, the good that we do to the communities? If you're in the St. Louis area, give us a call at 314-821-0850. That's both St. Louis and Metro East. Or anywhere in North America, just give us a call toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Well, Pastor O'Donnell, let's continue. We're, yes, I think we're on a roll here. And why am I not hearing you? I'm here. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm using a new uh, hearing uh, hearing device here. Uh, it's called a loop. It's a really neat little thing here. Okay, there we go. Uh, you know, what I'm, what I'm thinking is that there's a lot of talent within the congregations that we talked about. For example, you may have someone in your congregation who, who may have a history in, uh, say, public relations. Yes. That would be a great source of ideas. No doubt. Uh, you may have uh, somebody else who was, say, like me, uh, who knows how to write a, a news release. There's a really a very specific way to do it. Yes. And to set up a, a, a contact list, things like that. That is a good point for just to have a basic press kit, as it were, mm-hmm. that every congregation should have when something's going on that you can enable the the congregational secretary to send those to send those things out you may have to divide up responsibilities about who does what you know depending on the size of the parish and so forth but knowing the local government officials knowing the the press uh that's that that really should be a no-brainer for us so you're giving me a good kick in the pants here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that's in, in a good sense. It is in a very good sense, yeah. yeah. Now, you'll find, you know, most most reporters are desperate for for for, for, for stories, you know, for, for feel-good type stories. You know, you can only cover so many murders and house fires uh, before you start going into a crashing depression. <laughs> no, right? And, you know, I mean, I've had, you know, we had... Back when I worked on politics, we don't have so many. Pre- I don't have any press people in the congregation presently. But right, you you journalists so often have to deal just with the with the dirty underbelly of humanity yeah. that uh, it's really pleasant, right? Now now and then mm-hmm. to be able to do something good, talk about something helpful and wonderful. It is. I mean, I I had to cover. Stories that everything from dead kids to uh, disasters to crashingly boring things like sanitary district meetings. And just to, to get out and do a story where I could smile. You know, I just loved those things. It didn't happen very often, but boy, I just loved it. Yeah. At the, at the same time, Kip, on, the, you know, on this note, as, as our culture has shifted religiously even even in the the basic religious knowledge of most most people mm. is so slim now 
that people don't know how to think about this. And so, and they think, they, 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 people tend to think that, well, in the public space, uh, I can't maybe necessarily promote this church thing because then I'll, then I'll be viewed as this or that. They, a lot of people just don't know how to deal with religion. You're right. And this is, again, this is, this is part of the point that I'm trying to make, is there's this outreach on what we do as a religion. Sure. Um, a story I've, I've related a number of times was, uh, I've, I've talked to some missionaries who were in Indonesia following their uh, that horrible tsunami that they had had. And uh, the missionaries were working, of course, with a very small Christian community there, but they also worked with the, with the Muslim community as well. And long after the uh, international relief efforts left, the Lutheran missionaries were still there helping the community, both Christian and non-Christian. Yes. And um, a number of the Muslim religious leaders came up to the mission and uh, asked him point blank, why are you still here and why are you doing this? We're not, we're not Christians. We're not you. And he's, the answer was, well, we are Christians, and this is why we're doing this. This is what we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you have to do that. I, I just I, I, for your, I, w- I want to give a, a you know a word of encouragement. I think to you, and perhaps also to your to your listeners here, is to persist. You know, to do to not be weary in doing good, right? As Paul tells us, and even even though the culture at large doesn't seem to understand us, uh, that doesn't. Uh, you know, I would say keep at it. Right? Uh, keep trying to tell the story, even though it's sometimes frustrating. You know, I think in this case of uh, a story a couple months back that uh, Terry Mattingly did um, uh, at Get Religion, and I assume you're, f- you're familiar with Terry. Yes, I am. And um, he did a little piece actually on my, my cousin, Austin Hatch, who was uh, the, the kid on the Michigan basketball team, that survived two plane crashes. Wow! And uh, it was a national story. ESPN did a uh, did a half hour special a couple of years when he was a freshman about all this, and when Michigan made its run into the Final Four uh, this last year or this last spring. Austin's story came up again, and Terry wrote a piece in Get Religion about there's a whole religious side of this story that nobody's reporting, and it was true. I mean, Austin's story is incredible, that he survived two plane crashes, mm. and he's even able, even able to walk. Um, but a lot of these stories just focused that they missed the, the God part of this, and all the, all the effort and all the prayer and how central um, God is and how thankful Austin is to God for his life, I and mean, that just doesn't get... Reported and why is that? I, a lot of people don't know how to deal with it. I think you're right. Uh, you know, a um, a more recent example, you know, is that uh, Southwest Airlines where the engine blew up and that woman was killed. Yeah. And the woman pilot brought it in. Yeah. She was a devout Christian. Okay. And, yeah, I vaguely I remember hear, reading about this. Okay. Yeah, and she she was very upfront. She said she was the co-pilot on that flight. You know, <laughs> God brought it in. God bless her. Yeah. And uh, she made a number of statements afterwards, which of course we covered here in KFU, uh, you know about uh, about what she did, about how how God had helped her, about how 
confidence in him and knowing his love was able to guide her. And, you know, you're right. That was there, there was that God point to that story. And that was and interesting, as you're telling this, that is absolutely central for her. Yeah. But the people don't get it. No, they don't. And, and they run from it. And there is the rub. How do we keep them from running from <laughs> what can save them? Well, yeah, Kip, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, right, and I, I want to offer a word of encouragement to you <laughs> and to your listeners. Okay. You, you know, I, I don't know that you can keep people from running from it, because if you don't, if you don't, if you don't know Christ, and, or you even know a little bit, but you aren't committed, you know, Christ places a claim on us. Right? When we become, you know, to, to confess Christ as Lord is to mean I'm not the center of the universe that Christ is. And by nature, nobody wants to, be, wants to submit to that authority. And so by nature, we run from it. The old Adam. The old Adam, right? We talked, to, you know, I think, golly, when I was on with you some months ago, I told you, you know, my story of how I, you know, kind of ended up a Lutheran. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, I do remember. It just, it made, it, what you said makes, make, makes me think of when I was a fourth grader, right? And I grew up in Frankenmuth, Michigan. And we were the, uh, which is a Lutheran, for your listeners, a Lutheran missionary colony from the 1800s. And so my family was kind of the, was the non-practicing or really non-Christian family in town. And so in fourth grade, uh, for some reason, I learned some dirty words, and me and a couple other kids decided to start using them. Oops. And we, we, we caused all kinds of trouble. God bless Mrs. Frazier. And, and my, my report card came home. And this is, it gives you an insight, that it, not only into me, but I think how people by nature respond to the claim of Christ. My father says to me, as a fourth grader, coming in with failing grades on that report card, he says, Lance... If you don't straighten up, I'm going to send you to Lutheran school. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> right? And honest to God, I was terrified. And you know why? Mm-hmm. Because the Lutheran kids I knew had to memorize the scripture. And I couldn't articulate it at the time. But I didn't want to be under anybody's authority. And I, so I, I went from D's to A's in two weeks because I, I was afraid. Um, but, uh, you know, for me that, you know, what we were talking about illustrates, and I, and I hope with some compassion, uh, both to get out there and speak, but to also understand that the response to us isn't always, isn't, is often not going to be, yay, the Christians are talking. Yeah. Um, it might be, it'll be misunderstanding. It might be outright antagonism. So I run into that all the time. Yeah, and I'm, I'll bet you do, and that's it's part and parcel of you know being of being a Christian, and especially in a culture that is now increasingly doesn't really know what Christianity is. I think, especially in our urban centers. Well, I I had an, an incident happen recently that that I I found uh, a little ray of hope in. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm fairly active on social media, and uh, I do a lot of debating with, specifically with LBGT and and uh, left and uh, leftist political groups. 
And one of them sent me a personal email, a personal message after one of our exchanges. And he said, I want to thank you for not stooping to name calling. Hmm. And I hope that you'll call me out next time I do that. And that that's one thing I do when I on social media. I never use foul language and I never make fun of a person's name. I never call them something. And again, maybe this is you know, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I can't sure. I can't do that. Well, and 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 yet sometimes and this is <laughs> this is a, this is both the glory of being Lutheran and perhaps also the bane. Um <laughs> is that we we confess the scriptural reality that the Christian is simultaneously a saint and a sinner. And the world does not get that. In fact, most of Christianity doesn't get it. That inside us is this old sinful nature that wants to break out all the oh, time, no. and sometimes does, even sometimes when we're trying to do the right thing. So, you know, God bless you that on social media you've shown considerable restraint, um, but but sometimes we don't. You know, sometimes we, you know, sometimes we blow a gasket, and uh, and I think the only recourse then is is to acknowledge it, to confess it, to apologize. Well, my wife says she she can always tell when I'm really angry because sometimes then I use uh, a word I normally don't use. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, but also you know, I, I just I my mother is always over my shoulder. <laughs> if she heard me say th something like that, I'd still be grounded. That's right. Well, it, it, and the, I hope that's also a word of encouragement to to your listeners, not, and not only to you, but you know, if you're if you're listening to the show today and you think about, oh, I had this chance and I really said something stupid. Well, you know, Christ forgives you, and you know, give it a shot the next time. And if you said something stupid and you have a you have a chance to try and make things right, then for the love of God, do it. You know, say I'm sorry. Um, I shouldn't have said. I said you shouldn't have used that word. I shouldn't have called you that name. Um, please forgive me. Well, that that's one of the things I so like about being a Lutheran is uh, I'm very very aware of my weaknesses and failings, and you know I. <laughs> We do our Lutheran confession. You know, I know I'm not worthy. The yep. only thing I deserve is eternal damnation. And to know, and to know that indeed I am forgiven, and it, it, it breaks my heart to see people who who reject that. Well, and as it as it should, and all you know, all the more cause for what we we're talking about today is being out there. Um, maybe you know being in worship, and then serving, you know, according to your vocation, and being out there and being part of the part of the people in your church who are out helping doing this or that or the other thing, and, and you know, for letting people know what's going on. It is, and, and as I said, you know, we, we need to let them, by, by letting them know what's going on, we need to let them know what, what religion is doing as well. Um, letter writing, uh, for example, letters to the editor. Sure. That's something you can always do. Uh, I can tell you, newspapers are always looking for op-ed pieces. I've been thinking about it for a while. You know, I had been away 
from a local newspaper from a long time, which is one of a, for, for me, uh, in, a, in a certain respect, Lent started in January because I did a major reassessment of how I was using social media. Mm. And I, I, I just found that for me personally, I had in the, the 2016 election was really a tipping point for me that I felt like I'd been used and manipulated and I wasn't, I was, I was being controlled rather than controlling uh, the social media stuff. And so I took a step back over Lent this last year and really stepped away from that while I tried to kind of recenter how I wanted to conduct myself in that, that public social space. And part of my reconnecting was, uh, for the first time in a long time, I bought a local paper. And it's been wonderful. You know, so I want to encourage you, right, if, if you're out there, you know, wherever you are, uh, spend the money and get your local newspaper and read it when it comes through. And, uh, you know, you're, you're a subscriber. And then, you know, write in now and then. Write the editor. Thank them for how they covered something. Write a little critique if you thought they missed something. Oh, yeah. I mean, our local paper here is the Post-Dispatch. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> There's been a lot of criticism of the post. Sure, uh, but you know anybody gets criticism. Oh, we just lost a uh, a talk show host at uh, one of the stations out here because something he he said on Twitter. Oh yeah, and uh, it's oh you know it's <laughs> that that's part of it is you got to be aware of how you do the message, yeah, and doubt, always but... remember that we are our message is love. It is love, and this is one thing I have a, a problem with when I when I discuss things with the with LBGT people or with the pro-abortion people. Is no, I don't hate you. No, I'm inspired by love, not by hatred. And I get that accusation all the time. Well, you hate gay people, or well, you hate women. Hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> you you wonder. You wonder, you wonder sometimes, although whether people are actually trying to understand. I don't think they are. I think what they're trying to do is to justify their own positions. I think deep down inside they know, especially with the abortion situation, I think deep down inside they know it's wrong. Sure. And, and you know, that, that, applies, that applies also to us Christians who are out there, you know, trying to live it and speak about it, um, we need to take, a, you know, take the log out of our own eye. Oh, yeah. And seek first to understand and then to be under. So, you know, that that speaking the truth and love that we so desire to do um, will come, come out a lot more as love if we have at least some modicum of understanding. I think so. And, and you know, I look at I look at these people. And I see people suffering. Sure. Uh, I don't think they'll admit it to me, but this is what I see. You know, we, we have a conscience. I've always believed that the sense of right and wrong is, uh, that's really the Holy Spirit speaking to us. You know, it's not a societally implanted thing. It's a divinely inspired thing. Yeah, we have the, the laws written on our hearts. Yep. It is. It is. You know, I, I can think of times and in the past where I, there was something, you know, I wanted to do, I really thought would be fun or a path I wanted to follow. And there was always be that little voice that said, uh, uh, 
<laughs> this is true. And that voice wasn't your mother, right? <laughs> no. Necessarily, no, no. <laughs> right. No, that would have been a big voice. <laughs> but, yeah, no, there's... but. There, there always is that. I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of a, um, well, going back in my own past a little bit. I remember when uh, the Seminex thing broke. Yeah. Uh, I flirted with that group for a while. Back then they were called ELIM, I believe, Evangelical Lutherans in Mission. And I, I attended a number of services and, and discussion groups with them. And a lot of what they said was very attractive to me. But there was that voice that said, they're wrong. I, I don't know how else to explain it. And what was it? What was it that was bugging you? That that they were denying scripture, basically. Sure. This is the big thing. You know, you you can't pick and choose, not and still be a Christian. And this this was the big quarrel I had with them. And this was the attractiveness of it. Oh, gee, you mean I can really do these things I've always wanted to do? Sure. And then, as I said, even though it was attractive, there'd be this voice that said, no, this is wrong. Don't do it. And and uh, this gets, if I may, get back gets back to something we talked about earlier. Yeah, please do. That when, when we're out there, recognize that People who are people who are not practicing committed Christians, they you know they they may either they may be antagonistic, they may be ignorant, um, they may not you know they may not react the way you would expect them to react or hope they would react to the message of what you're doing. You know you may go to the local paper and tell them about how your congregation is is cooking a meal for the poor and they may show up and you know you did a little you do a little devotion or bible study and the story may not be about how you're feeding the poor about how they're where well, this is really just an indoctrination practice right um and you know what do you what do you do well that's when you follow it up with a letter to the editor or an op-ed piece and say you know well yeah you can you can do that and then you, then you want to be careful I think about how you speak. Yeah. And um, remember, you don't do it in anger. You have to do right. it in love. With gentleness and respect. Yeah. Right, as Peter says. Right? Just, just common courtesy and good manners. This is one of the things that I think that we learn. And that's, that's another thing that bugs me as I see so much around me where good manners simply have gone by the wayside, especially in younger people. Well, and, and again, this is, this is, I didn't go into this today thinking this is going to be the theme, but it's becoming a theme for me today, uh, being a good neighbor. Yeah. A, a, a key, you know, it's interesting, as it were, sitting down and talking with you, uh, occasionally there are themes that come out that I didn't necessarily intend. And for me, this is one of them for today, for us, is uh, to step back from the busyness and be a neighbor, which means to get to know the people around you. And that involves getting to know what what's going on in their world and giving you the opportunity for you to tell them what's going on in your world everyone has a story Indeed. everyone has a has a, a tragedy everyone has a joy so so again
again, I'm looking out my window here at City Hall and being reminded I need to walk over there <laughs> and invite those and invite those guys over and see, you know, to, well, just to say hi. It's because it's been a while for me. And to tell them what's going on. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I do um, <laughs> is, you know, I, I'm a dog lover. And, sure. and I've always had dogs, and I, I walk my dog every day, and boy, is that a conversation piece. <laughs> That's what I understand. It I is. have children. Yeah, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> right. But, you know, the neighborhood kids, oh, can I pet your dog? Sure, come on. Well, hi, how are you doing? How was school today? Oh, is that your mommy over there? And it's amazing the things that you run into. I ran into one woman who was walking a snake. That's crazy. Yeah, no, she... <laughs> She she was a veterinarian. She had this this. It was a ball boa constrictor, a little Pet small boa constrictor. On her hand, Good gravy. Okay. And she said its name is William Snakespear. Oh my, that's awesome. <laughs> so, but as you can imagine, that 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 led into a discussion. That some conversation. Yeah. yeah. So, and little things like that, and you know, you can always bring out, you know, oh yeah, well, in your case, because yeah, oh yeah, well, I'm a pastor. What do you do? And. So you know, for a couple t- a couple takeaways for me from the conversation are have a pre- understand you know uh, have a press kit yeah and understand your you know how to contact your local media make that a part of who you are get to know uh, your local if, if you're right if you're on the church staff in some way get to know the local officials people are, you know and people around where where the church is so you get you're involved in your your community and. And generally speaking, as as an active member of a congregation, be don't have don't have every waking moment of your life at the church. Um, actually, take some time to get to know your neighbors. Yeah, and even get to know your congregation. Yes, yeah, I, I dare to say that to uh, to pastor. I can't believe I just said that. No, <laughs> well, no, it's it, it's true, and it gets um, you know size has its challenges. Cult, you know, cultures are different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, we we lament it now and then. You know, my wife and I, we when I did my vicarage in Aspen, Colorado, we had a congregation of about fifty people, and we were in their homes all the time and back and forth. And you know, we were only there a year, but when we left, we knew everybody and knew many of them really well. I believe that. I have a very small congregation in my church. Very small, and it's. You know, on a on a on a busy Sunday, we'll have twenty or thirty people. Yeah, and that's right. In in ours is you know medium size. We're about four hundred on a weekend in worship, but the on our books is eighteen hundred and fifty, nineteen hundred people. Yeah, and we have piles of lapsed members. It it becomes daunting, but nevertheless, right? We need to get to know one another. Well, that's I hate to tell you, we are out of time. And I want to say that you've been listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in, and today's guest pastor was Lance O'Donnell, St. Paul Lutheran Church in Okamonawak, Wisconsin. Now you can uh, call us, email us, anything you want, and we'll ask try to get a hold of your questions. I want to give special thanks to Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie for letting us you've use his recording of All Glory, Talk, and Honor a as a theme song. chance to chat with the pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.